Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the studios at Silver Ranch in the Northwoods of Wisconsin. And it's 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 a time of week I always look forward to, Dave, just sitting down and having a discussion and sharing our discussions with the listeners. You know, we just talk about everyday life stuff. Oftentimes it's like, well, what should we talk about today? So it's very natural. It's not like we have this planned out ahead of time or scripted. The whole point is just to have conversations. And so I encourage you, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, if you don't have regular conversations with people, just to say, hey, let's talk about the Bible. Let's talk about what God is teaching you. Do that with somebody. Be like, you know what? What's God been teaching you lately? Yeah. And not arguments. You don't need to get into uh, arguing about anything. But all of us understand things from a certain perspective. Mm -hmm. But the thing that's really weird to me is that God doesn't have a perspective. Mm. So when I think about it, I go, okay, I can talk to you and you have a perspective. Yeah. You have, you know, you've been married how many years? Almost 11. Okay. So you've married almost 11 years. You have three boys. It's actually your birthday today. It is. So how old are you today? I'm 38. 38 years old today. So all of you could hum happy birthday and he might hear it if the whole world does it together at the same time. That'd be fun. Yeah. Uh, And so when you look at life, you, you realize, okay, you have all this perspective. Married yeah. 11 years to three boys. Yep. I had two daughters. Yep. Now, that might give me a little different perspective on life. Some people would say it doesn't. I say it does. Yes. Because it's different. My daughters, one of them's your age. Yep. One of them's two years older than you, 40 years old. So that gives me a different perspective on life than you have. Yeah. But you and I are locked into the perspective thing. Mm-hmm. And there's no way to get out of it. Right. So you were, you were raised a certain way. You were you went to church. Our, my dad was our pastor, so that was somewhat similar. We both served at Silver Birch Ranch. And what you do is you find that people who grow up with the same perspective tend to hang out together because their perspectives are similar and they see the world the same. Yeah. The trouble is they may not see the world accurately. Interesting, yeah. They just see it within the scope of their perspective. Yeah. If you're a young person, you've grown up in a home where you've been abused. By whoever, and you know, maybe an uncle, maybe your dad, maybe your mom, I, I have no idea. You think then that everybody understands that that's what goes on in a family. But if you grew up in my household, you don't understand that. Mm-hmm. So th- all of a sudden you're talking to somebody who has no understanding. Yeah. And here's what's really weird. As many of our listeners know, my family has gone through some cancer in the last couple of years. And uh, one of the things that has struck me through the cancer bout is young people that come up and talk and and some of them came up and said well why would God choose you to have cancer mm-hmm. you know what they're saying is how could God choose you when you're you're running camp and you're teaching people and you're why, why you mm-hmm. and and I would say well first of all why not but but secondly you have to understand what do I do in life I, I teach yeah. Whether it be radio, whether it be at Nicolay Bible Institute, um, a majority of my time is actually spent teaching. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you teach, shouldn't you have a perspective that includes as many people as possible? Yeah. And would God ever put me in a position where I had to learn something from a new perspective so that I could become a better teacher and communicator? Mm-hmm. Uh, when Jesus came to earth, it, it tells us that he was familiar with all of the temptations and trials like you and I have. And that, what did it say about him then? It made him the competent, the, the uh, one that could relate to us so that we could go to him. And he would understand all of the stuff that we're going through because he went through it as a human. He understands all the temptations, all the struggles, because he was here as a person. 
I'm finding as I get older, I'm finding that the stuff that I have gone through in life has been nothing more than a training ground to understand the truths that I say I knew before I went through it. Yeah. So I know that God loves me. I know he has a plan. I know all that stuff. So then you get diagnosed with cancer in your family. Yeah. You know, my wife had cancer for those wondering what I'm talking about, but she had cancer and, and uh, still getting treated for cancer and that kind of thing. So you, you look at that and you go, okay. Now, since I've talked to many men and women who are suffering with cancer, either themselves or in their family, and I would say that I'm a better communicator with them now than I would have been if we didn't go through that. Yeah. So in a really strange way, if you want to call it strange, God said, your perspective is fine where you are at right now, but I need to broaden it so that I could use you in this way. Mm-hmm. Now, when you look at that, you look at that and go, <clears throat> oh, well, then thank you, God. Yeah. Um, also, if you look back on perspective, my dad died of a heart attack. He died very suddenly gone you know right away yeah so i never got to say goodbye to him my mom died over 10 years probably slow i'm guessing how many years i'm not going to go back and count but a a, a decent period of time and she had strokes several strokes that took her and and i had to walk her through this disability in this time where she had to struggle as she got older yeah so in my life when you come to me it's like okay you lost one Dad, you lost your dad quickly. You lost your mom slowly. We lost our mother-in-law quickly. We had just talked to her. We left. We got a phone call. She was dead. She, I think, we, I'm not sure we did an autopsy on her, so I'm not sure what, probably a heart attack. You know, yeah. uh, we're assuming. Maybe we did one, and I don't remember, but it doesn't actually matter Yeah. in yeah. that sense. And then we lost my father-in-law slowly, you know, through through years to uh, Parkinson's. Yeah. And so, so here my family has gone through Parkinson's, through quick diseases that take people, through strokes that has debilitated people. I was a kid in a wheelchair at one time, and I had crutches, and, and I've had heart conditions that had to be dealt with. And, and now my wife has gone through cancer. And I would say through all of that, I'm a better person. Yeah. So that's perspective-wise, and, and I see God doing that. So no matter what age you are right now, you might want to... Um, buddy up with somebody who's a little older that has gone through some things that actually loves God and lives like they love God and find out what they learned because I promise you this, you will go through hard times. Mm-hmm. And, and you can either abandon your faith at that time because you have this idea that God is, is just supposed to do whatever you want him to and make your life comfortable. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not who God is. He's, he's your God, your father, and he's developing you into the person that could be used um, he's the one without perspective and he's helping us gain a better perspective. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, it makes total sense. And I think, you know, Dave, you often say it quite a bit, the phrase that a change of pace and a change of place challenges your perspective. Yep. And I think as we go through life, we've faced various situations that, that do that, whether it's by happenstance, you know, for lack of a better word, or just by the, the sake of life, you know, y- y- there's different life stages, you know, some of them are planned and some of them aren't, you know, planned ones might be kids, you know, you know, y- you might have a kid, you might end up with a girl instead of a boy, Right. you know, you ended up with two girls, I have three boys. And so our perspectives, even on parenting are slightly different, Right. you know, cause my boys like to run around and punch each other and fight and all that, which I doubt your, your two daughters did a ton, No. no you not know, a ton. and, they and f- if they did, they fought differently and they, f- right. You know, and so yeah. the perspective is different. 
but I think I think underneath the perspective, the way that we view our perspective comes from the truth that we that we have a foundation on, you know. And so the way that we look at those perspectives is with the foundation of what we've learned from Scripture and the truth, you know. And so as we face a situation like your dad, you know, dying suddenly, or you know, even recently in my life, um, my wife lost a brother. Um, unexpectedly yeah suddenly suddenly and so that perspective changes but the way that we that we address that change i think comes from the core truth that we believe in right you know and that's how we embrace that perspective it's not that these things you know are necessarily um i mean everything is different and we look at it differently we might question well why or, or different things like that well the reality is that we have to realize that our perspective is is on the foundation of the fact that god created the world Sin entered the world. God sent Jesus to be a solution to that sin. And so he's conquered it, but we're in the already but not yet stage of the fact of that we're still in the presence of sin and there's still bad stuff that happens right. until Jesus returns. And so that's the reality of it. And so to say that, you know, if you follow God, that your life is going to be all peaches and cream, I don't see that anywhere in Scripture. No. And so with that perspective, when things happen in everyday life, whether it be, you know, the highs or the lows, that's the perspective that that helps us to see the lens of, all right, God, now I can lean more into you because I see more perspective of why you love me and how you love me. Does that make sense? I don't know. You know, when you look at you look at Jesus while he was on the earth, his job was to come and die on the cross. Yeah. Now, he knew that the whole time. Right. He also knew what that meant. Right. And, he, and the crazy thing that boggles me, you know, as we get ready for summer, we have a theme verse. And this coming summer, it's going to be Hebrews 12, 1. And that talks about the, being surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Right. But then it goes into the, the fact that for the joy that was set, set before him, right. he endured the cross. And so here's Jesus. He, was, he came to die. And, and he did it joyfully. Yeah. Wow, what a perspective. So as, as I talk to you about that, it's like, okay, you have three sons. Yeah. When you die to yourself and you think about what is it that they need to know so that they can stand before God and hear well done, Yeah. and you die to yourself and, and work at making that really happen, that's the joy. But see, you're dying to yourself, but mm-hmm. it's for the joy of the end game. Right. And, and Jesus, you know, before Jesus went to the cross, He's, he shed drops of blood as sweat. He yeah. was under extreme stress before he went to the cross. Mm-hmm. Now, why was he doing that? Because he was looking at what was coming. Right. I, I don't know if any of us, you know, first of all, God has spared us from knowing what's coming. And I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Because every single one of us will face uh, disasters, will face death, will face every one of us know that in life. But God spares us those details until they actually happen. We just know it's going to happen and that kind of thing. But Jesus knew what was going to happen. Yeah. So he knew he was going to be rejected by the people. That's painful. He knew he was going to get a crown of thorns, get nails in his wrists and feet. That that was going to be painful. He knew that he was going to suffer on the cross, get a spear in his side. That was all going to be painful. There was nothing about that exercise that he was going, oh, good, hurt me. That There was nothing about that mm-hmm. except for the joy of the purpose of listening to God and knowing that his death would mean that you and I could stand in God's family one day. Yeah. That was the joy. That he could listen to God regardless of the circumstances. And that's really what I want the young people that are listening to hear. When you know God, you need to listen to God regardless of the circumstances of life. 
the circumstances are all going to change. Um, this book I'm reading said that real Christianity is better understood by actions than by words. It's easy to talk about, I trust God. Well, do you? Yeah. I mean, do you act like you trust God? If not, do you trust him? Yeah. And if you don't trust him, why not? You know, that's the valid question to ask. One of the things that anybody can get in the habit of doing if they want to be healthy is make a column on a piece of paper and write down what you actually know about God. And then next to it, every once in a while, you can write down what you actually feel is going on in the situation because your feelings and your knowledge aren't going to always um, correspond. Right. So there's times where you feel like, oh, Here's what I know about God. He's everywhere all at once. He loves me. He made me in my mother's womb. I can go on with a list of things I know about God. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden in my life, I'm going, God, I feel abandoned. Mm-hmm. So what I do is I take that list out and I put on the, the right side, the feel side, I feel abandoned. Then I look on the left side and go, oh, no, he doesn't abandon. Mm-hmm. So then what I'm doing is choosing to live with what I know rather than what I feel. Right. And, and that's all. It's not, it, by the way, that doesn't change the feeling. I mean, pain is going to be pain. Yeah. Separation is going to be separation. So it's one of those things. Yeah. And I think it's important to decipher between your feelings and what we know to be true. Um, because I think oftentimes, especially nowadays, we allow our feelings to dictate truth rather than the truth to help us understand our feelings. Right. And I think there's a, there's a very significant distinction there. Huge. But but our world is it all mixed up. You know, we, we've lived under the mantra of it feels good, do it most of the time. And now it's almost like is if, if it feels good, then it's true. Yeah. And well, that, even challenging somebody and what they think. Yeah. You know, that's a dangerous area to go in. Mm-hmm. Now, again, it's what you're doing is normal. You're challenging perspective. Every human being has perspective. Yeah. It's only God that doesn't. Mm-hmm. So all of us have perspectives. So if you understand that, it changes how you talk to people. So I can go anywhere in the world and I realize that they might have a different perspective on life. Yeah. They may think of people differently than I do and think it's absolutely right to think of them that way. Mm-hmm. So if I go into a, a Muslim community, they think differently about their wives and women and, than I do. Mm-hmm. Okay, I have to understand that that's how they think. Right. It's not that they're right or wrong. Their perspective is there. And what I want to do is I want to come up with something that's beyond perspective. Yeah. And write it down. What is beyond perspective? How do husbands treat their wives? How do wives respond to their husbands? Is there something that's not perspective? Is there something in the Bible that's beyond that that I can look at mm-hmm. and say, here's how you do that? Yeah. Now you can, now you can apply the scriptures. One of the things I think the, the scriptures tell us, uh, Paul does this in, in Timothy, in First Timothy 4, uh, 16, he emphasizes the fact that Timothy's lifestyle and preaching were both important. In other words, in, in life, it's you need to understand that what you believe in your head should be lived out in your life. And when it's not, you need to get those two in alignment. You can't change the truth. Now, here's a, a statement that might need backing up as I say it, but you can't change the truth but you can change your belief. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So be careful. Belief systems do not make it true. Yeah. I don't care who I'm talking to there. 
It doesn't matter what your background is. Belief systems don't make anything true. Only truth, the truth will stand by itself. Yeah. So I need to take whatever I believe and put it against the truth and see if what I believe is true or not. And if if it's not, I need to have the courage to change. Yeah, and that's, now, that's the key. Well, you have, you have three boys. I do. And uh, they're growing pretty rapidly now. They are, yep. So uh, you have some choices. You can quit feeding them, I guess, and yeah. get them to quit growing, but... But basically, you uh, you buy them clothes. Oh yeah, which they grow out of. Yeah, and how fast do they grow out of them? Pretty quick. Yeah, uh, old story I've told so many times. But I remember when my daughters were young like that, and they were growing like weeds, and and you know you buy them a pair of pants, and before you know it, they're too short on them already. Oh yeah. And I remember looking at one of my daughters. I think it was my older one, and just said, "Really? You know, we just bought those." That's right. And I'm thinking, we just bought those. And I said, "You gotta quit changing." Yeah. You, I said. You've got to quit growing. You have, we want to buy you clothes, but you've got to quit growing and changing. And, and she said, Dad, if you grow, you change. Mm-hmm. And, and profound. Boom. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, that is so profound right there. Yeah. You cannot grow and stay the same. Yeah, that is profound. So when you look at your life, if there's nothing that has changed, if you're constantly trying to get other people to affirm everything in your life and you're not changing, Mm-hmm. You're not growing. Yeah. It's really quite simple. And here's what I want to invite you to do. In First Timothy 4.16, it says, here's Paul talking to young Timothy, and he says, keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. L- look at the instruction he gives them. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching, you keep a close watch on both. How are you living? Are you living in contact with your teaching? Don't live apart from truth. And uh, one of the uh, the general rules I think that everyone should have in life is that they're going to be a good student of themselves. Hmm. So you see yourself and you go, you know, I keep talking about how I love God, but I never spend time with him. Hmm. Now, that's paying attention to yourself. Uh-huh. Yep. So why don't you spend some time with them? Oh, yeah. Well, maybe I need to schedule time with God, you know, in order to do that. Uh, in the in the Wiest Expanded Translation, it, it says the same thing. But it, it, in Expanded Translation, you, you know, the Bible isn't written in English, so it's a little more cumbersome. But this Expanded Translation is just closer to the original. I'll read it out of there, and it says, Keep on paying careful attention to yourself. You see how that's worded. Mm. You keep doing this all your life because the tendency is to quit changing. And as you get older, you know that. You and I work with young people. Oh, yeah. It's, you know, you get a certain age and you're going to spend the rest of your life convincing people you're right rather than changing. Yeah. So it says, keep on paying careful attention to yourself and to the teaching. Constantly stay by them. For doing this, you will both save yourself and those who hear you. And in parentheses, they're the, uh, from the false doctrines of demons is what the connotation is there. So when you pay attention to the perspectiveless God, you pay attention to truth and you align your living with it, you'll be fine. And that's what's being said. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. And I think that's something that we should get in the habit of. Like Just like you said, I, I, I thought it was profound when you said that you cannot grow without changing. 
And I think that's where we need to constantly be self-assessing, like, all right, am I actually, you know, like the simple observation of like, all right, I love God. Do I spend time with him? Yeah. I think we need to get in the habit of asking ourselves sometimes the simple yet hard questions. That way we can make sure that as we look at our, our ever-changing perspective, that it uh, is actually impacting the way that we're living our life. Right. And, and, and taking advantage of it. Well, let's take a look at the normal Bible study. If you had a, and, and you do, you take yeah. young people and you'll have them in a place where you talk to them, you know, as a group. Yeah. And you ask them, uh, why are you here? Yeah. What is their typical response? Learn more about God. Okay. That's a Sunday school response and it's right and I'm glad and yeah. you should learn more about God, but that that's fine. Yeah. Or I want to grow. Grow in my relationship with God. Okay. Yeah. I have yet to hear anyone say, I came here <clears throat> to change. Yeah. So what if we, what if you're in a Bible study right now and you change the language, instead of saying you're there to grow, or instead of saying I want to know more about God, you're saying I came here to change. Mm-hmm. And, and what if that dynamic became the dynamic rather than the word grow? Because what does grow mean? When, when I sit there and say I want to grow, what does that mean? I, it's, uh, it's, been, it's like Christianese. Yeah. You know, I don't know what it means. It's not even measurable. Right. So, you know, grow what? Obese or grow tall or, or grow stronger? I, I, I want to grow. There's a lot of ways you can grow there. Yes, absolutely. So you have three boys. How do you get them in the habit of understanding that growth demands change? Mm-hmm. See, I mean, that's what I would be working on. If I, if I had young people in my family, I'd be thinking, okay, I just want them to identify that they could say I learned something. Like, I don't know if, they, if your kids ever disobey you. Oh, I mean, they're perfect. Okay, good. Ha. But if, <laughs> if they did. They do. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, when they do, it's it's not, do, do they disobey you because they don't understand what you said? No. Okay, so they may be thinking, well, I kind of listened to you. Mm-hmm. You know, the truth is, no. What you did is you're trying to, Never, you're trying not to change. And I'm telling you, you have to. Right. If you're going to live in the context of the truth that I'm giving you, you need to change how you live. Yeah. And they're going from an early age, they're saying, I don't want to. I want to live according to how I feel. Yeah. Well, what you're trying to do is guard a lifestyle that is based on ignorance Mm -hmm. at this point. You know, how in the world are you going to base a lifestyle on ignorant statements? And and you might say, Dave, that's a pretty powerful word. Yeah. You know, ignorant is not meant to be an insult. Mm-hmm. It means that you're ignoring something. You're you're you don't know something. So if I'm a five year old and I tell my dad, "Don't worry, I know how to cook spaghetti." Yeah. And I never cooked spaghetti before. What are you basing that on? Mm-hmm. Perhaps dad should stand there, or mom should stand there, and make sure you do it right, and you don't pour boiling water all over yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, this is for your safety. You need some learning to take place there yeah and really you know the first time you do something often it's not done well so you need to change it it, it, notice the word was change right you don't do it the same way again i mean you're doing a lot of stuff with your kids from splitting wood to stacking wood to to doing all kinds of stuff that they they have chickens they have to take care of yeah but these are things where there's going to be failures Mm mm-hmm yeah. And you could say, oh, why don't you just keep failing and watch the chickens die? Right. Oh, totally. Well, and I think even in, the, in, the, in an adult context, a lot of times we see what we need to change in, 
but we're not willing to change. Right. You know, like we look at a relationship with God and oftentimes in conversation or even as you're sitting, you know, whether it's in church or in the context of a youth group or whatever it is, there's a challenge. There's truth that challenges your perspective. And oftentimes we have a choice to either embrace it and change or to justify it in a way that's like, well, I can I don't really have to change because. I don't do that much or it's really not that bad or well, really if I, if I fully embrace it, that'd be kind of legalistic. Right. And I think we, even within the Christian culture, we feel it and we've kind of just brushed it under the rug. Yep. You know, I mean the amount of, if we were to, to actually embrace this concept of change to grow, it would be radical, Dave. It would be, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be incredibly radical. And I think that's, that's even what we saw in the life of Paul. Right. He wanted to grow, and so what happened? You saw radical change in his life. Absolutely. Radical. And I think that um, even as we see people that, that understand Jesus for the first time, you see radical change. Why? Because all of a sudden the veil's been lifted, and ver- for the very first time they actually see it, and they know it's like, wow, as a result, I need to change. But I think sometimes— a lot of times as believers, we get in a rut where we see it and we decide to be numb to it rather than go along with the change. Right. Well, and and it's interesting. I think look at the generation that your kids are growing up in that, that you're a part of, that I'm a part of. We get inundated with information. Yeah. But we never know how valuable it is. We don't know how true it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we get used to being skeptics and we get used to turning it off mm-hmm. in our brain. Yeah. So now you're sitting in church. You're already in the habit of being a skeptic. You're already hearing words. This is why I keep uh, telling young people, your life needs to match what you say. Right. Why? Because if I'm talking about a good marriage and, and you come and you say, oh, man, he's talking about a good marriage. And you might hear somebody say, well, you have nothing to go after, man. Mm-hmm. Why? He's got a good marriage. Right. Yeah. Well, what are you going to say about him? Well, what I'll say is if, if everyone married somebody like your wife, they could have a good marriage. It's like, oh, brother. Yeah. You know, that's not how it works. But the truth is, if I talk about dying to self, then I need to die to self. Mm-hmm. And, and then the critics start talking about what I say doesn't work, they'll have to pass over me because they'll see that it is working. Mm-hmm. And that's all the Apostle Paul is saying. It, you need to be somebody who, when you identify the truth, you need to live by the truth. And eventually, your critics will be silenced. Yeah. Not right away, but eventually your critics will be silenced because they won't have anything to go after you with. Yeah. And that's the important part. It, it, the, emphasis, the emphasis is really, okay, God has no perspective. There's truth. You're going to teach truth. You're going to say it with your mouth. You make sure the truth is lived with your life. They're not going to have much to say about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I learned that on the, on the athletic field years ago. If you're really good, you don't have to tell people you're good. Yeah. You know, you don't even have to defend it. You're good. They mm-hmm. see it. And that's how it works. So yeah. encouraging stuff. Read First Timothy. You'll, you'll learn more of what Paul is telling him. Yeah, and, and as you read it, or even as you reflect on our conversation today, I would encourage you to, to look at the things that are challenging your perspective. Because um, even as we said before, a change of place and a change of pace challenges your perspective. And so if it means that you need to change, 
Are you willing to embrace that change? Unfortunately, that's all the time that we have on our conversation today. I encourage you to join us again or head over to silvertranch.org where you can download this podcast or even go to your favorite podcasting site. You could subscribe and, and re-listen to all of them. But for now, this is Jason and Dave, and we'll talk to you next time here on Younger and Older. Take care. Bye-bye.